Hi everyone. Today we're going to be talking about psychic kids and one creepy psychic kid. And I'm also going to do a really fun reading. So stay tuned because at the very end, I'm going to have you think of a question, pick something. You're not going to know what that is until the end. And then I'm going to do a reading for you. So you're going to get your own personal reading. Um, this is Marilyn Aloria. Welcome to Who Can It Be Now? The podcast. I'm a psychic medium, teacher, coach, founder of Membership for Your Soul and Soul Finder Academy. And for those of you that want to join the SAS experience, check out join SAS dot com because the SAS experience is this incredible live experience that I do. I don't know when you'll be listening to this, but you should go check it out. Join SAS.com. It's an incredible live experience that I do that catapults you into change, good change, the kind of change you need, the kind of change you want, the kind of change you're desiring. Well, everyone, I am super excited. I love, love, love doing this podcast. It has just been so much fun for me. And thank you to all of you for listening and sharing and rating and reviewing. And I could use a little more of all of the above. So do it, do it, do it. And I have some fun things coming down the pike for all of you where I'm going to um, post where you can do readings. I'm going to do readings for people. I want to do a soul session. So there's a lot of stuff coming. But today's going to be about a couple of different things before I get into what you do if your kid is psychic or if your kid is having psychic experiences. And when I tell you what to do and I share some of my stories, you're going to realize, oh my goodness, that was me as a kid too. So we're going to go into that and then I'm going to do that fun reading at the end. But the first thing I want to share with you is something that came to me in a channel session this morning. And I wish I could recall it all because I record my channel sessions. I don't remember um, what I say, but I do remember pieces sometimes, little pieces that they want me to remember. And of course, I could always go back to the recording and listen. But this weekend on the tennis court, I noticed something about myself. Uh, I noticed that I'm really can be very critical of myself. So if I miss a shot or if I'm not winning the games or I'm not doing that well, it's, it's really, I do a number and I've been getting better at it. I've been getting better at it, noticing it when I'm doing it on the court and when I take it away and I actually left the games on Saturday, like, holy moly, man, it's just a friggin' tennis game. I'm not like playing for Wimbledon. Who cares if I messed up? And some of my messing up was, um, it, it, some of it is, goes back to like grammar school. You know, I'm not going to be invited back. No one's going to want to play with me because I don't play that well, or I'm not playing that well, or I, I had too many errors or whatever the story is that I tell myself. And some of that, you know, tennis communities can be pretty snotty at times, but it's not really true. And even if it was true, you know, at times with certain people, those are people you don't want to play with anybody anyway, and you find new groups. But I really recognized how hard I was being on myself. And I was like, this is not good. Like I've got to stop this nonsense. And then Sunday night, I noticed it even more. I was like, wow, I am like, how many of us are just going, 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 doing, 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 do this, do that, do this, do that. And it's all because we're like trying to get something perfect or we're trying to, uh, feel, um, better about something or where, you know, we're trying to get that dream. And I'm all for going for dreams. I'm a big person about setting goals and working towards them. But what is the energy behind it? Like, what's going on? How are you talking to yourself? How are you being with yourself during this process of going towards goals? And I really paused and I looked at myself and I was like, okay, this has got to stop this. We've got to take a breather here. And spirit's like, you need to talk to yourself. 
in the most loving way, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Now, I'm pretty good to myself, so I'm not going to say that I'm not, but we always have room for improvement no matter where we're at, right? So I sat down with my guides this morning and was channeling, and they were talking to me about how important it is to love ourselves completely. Like, if we don't love ourselves completely and come from love we are not going to be aligned with our soul and we're not, we're going to be looking for things that are just going to bring us empty experiences. So I wish I, like I said, I'll go back to the channel session and share more about it down the line, but I wanted to get into the psychic kids and everything, but I did want to share this part with you. And what was coming through for me was it really all depends on how we love ourselves. It doesn't depend on what Aunt Sally thinks or Uncle Joe or our friend Fred down the block or whoever it is that we want to pin on. Um, are they giving us love? Are they showing us love? Are they speaking to us nicely? Part of this is coming out of my own work, deeper dive into my own self and how I feel like I've spent most of my life being criticized by family members, teachers, whatever it is. And that could be how I remember it. I don't know. But I'm sitting there and I'm going, hmm, I'm trying to remember when I was growing up, like all I remember is the nuns kind of being mean and, you know, it was really difficult in my family and stuff like that. And my brother's calling me names and, you know, not I'm not in the victim-y way. I'm just like recalling things because I'm hitting another level of evolution in my soul and I want to change and I want to grow. So I'm just, this has been coming to the surface for me, especially on the yoga mat. For some reason, I'll be on the yoga mat and I'll have like little memories and I'll be like, oh yeah. And spirit's like, well, you you don't need that. You don't need to be a self-critic. You don't need to criticize yourself on the tennis court. You don't need to criticize yourself if you don't get somewhere in a goal. All you need to do is love yourself. You need to completely love yourself throughout the day. Definitely keep working towards things. Definitely keep keep improving. Keep um, you know, because that's fun for me to want to improve my my top spin and my tennis shot or my business or grow my business even bigger. But do it loving yourself, not waiting for somebody outside of you to say, "Great job, you're doing great," or to acknowledge you or see you or hear you. You've got to do all of that for yourself. Now, I'm sure many of you know this. I know this. But for some reason, it went to a whole other level for me. I was like, oh my goodness. And they always, they love, love, love when, you know, waking up between dream and waking up and they're like, you need to talk lovingly to yourself every moment of the day for the next seven days. Like they're bringing me to a whole new awareness and consciousness of it. So I invite all of you to do this with me or do it with yourself, but just speak lovingly to yourself. And notice when you don't. Like, so today I just was going overboard with it. It, You know, this morning I went to um, the grocery store and I was buying food and I was like, you know, I really buy very healthy food for myself. Good for you, Marilyn. You really treat yourself well. This might sound crazy to some people. Or, you know, I meditated this morning. I journaled. I um, did yoga and acknowledging like all the good things that I'm doing. Not in a comparison energy, not like here's a gold star, just like good for you. What a beautiful person you are. How smart you are. How amazing. We need to speak to ourselves that way and acknowledge the things that we're doing. So I just offer that up to all of you because I thought that was interesting. 
So um, I wanted to, wanted to talk to you about psychic kids. And the reason why is because I used to work with a lot of kids when I was doing my readings and stuff and parents would come to see me and then they would bring their kids to me. And I want to share some experiences with you guys to help you because maybe you have a psychic kid or maybe you have a niece or a nephew that is very psychic and you probably were the same way when you were younger, but your parents didn't know what it was or labeled it something that it wasn't or it was something to be afraid of. And now you have a different consciousness and you're noticing that kids around you have these gifts and you want to be able to help them through it. So I wanted to share some of this with you because something that I do, I I love listening to podcasts and there's this really fun podcast called Spooked. And I've been listening to it lately because it's been like rainy and dreary. And I, I go for little hikes. Well, not little hikes, but I go for hikes and I'll listen to these podcasts, these ghost stories, and I just find them so much fun. And one of the things I love doing is hiking at night, listening to a podcast, and then coming home and cooking and listening to a podcast. It's just really enjoyable, a lot of fun for me. And I was listening to all these ghost stories and um, I was like, you know, I really need to share more of like what my experience has been with, with ghosts and kids that were able to be psychic and also what to do when you have a ghost in your house and things like that. So we're not going to cover everything today, but I wanted to share that podcast with you in case you wanted to have a little bit of fun. Because I was listening to one of them and he was sharing a story about a kid that was around his house and he was on his uh, family's property. The property had been around for years and uh, he just kept telling the kid, you know, he knew just like, get out of my house. You're not allowed in my house. You can play in the yard, whatever it is. And um, when he found out like his, one of his aunts died at like the age of 40 or something, but the kid showed herself at like nine, 10 years old. And he read somewhere that uh, spirits will do that. And I was like, wow, that's so interesting because I just knew that when I was doing mediumship readings, I remember this guy came to me, this father, and he'd lost his son. And I was talking to his son. His son came in and he was sitting at the kitchen table and talking to me, but his son was showing himself to me at like eight, nine years old. And I knew that the kid, I just knew intuitively the kid did not die at that age, that he died at an older age. And um, I was sharing the reading with the father and I was like, you know, he's showing me that himself at that age because you guys like had a really incredible bonding experience. Like you were very close and he's reminding you of the closeness that you two had and how important it was like that you were in his life. And he's just coming back at that age, showing you himself at that age because that was a really, really happy time in his life. And the father said, yeah, because apparently he, when he got older, he was like a teenager when he passed or early twenties. And he got into like, um, I don't remember if it was drugs or crime or what he got into, which was ended up why he died. And he said, you know, we kind of were not as close anymore because he was having such a difficult time in his life. And he was, uh, the father was saying to me, that was a time in his life. We were super close and we did all these things together. And it really touched him that his son would show up that way to remind his dad, like, don't remember me, you know, as the older child where you had difficulty with me, remember me as the younger child where we had such an incredible moment together. And when this guy was in on the podcast Spooked was sharing his ghost story and he said that he read that somewhere in the internet and uh, he said that, you know, he read that spirits will come back at the age that they really felt like best at. I was like, you know, I intuitively knew this stuff when I was reading because the internet wasn't really as big as it is now back then when I was doing readings. 
And it reminds me of how much we have to trust our innate gifts. Like there are just things that I knew. And I appreciate my guides so much because they're teaching guides. So they were always teaching me things as I was doing the work. And many of you, I have a lot of people in my community that want to be readers or coaches and they're waiting until they have it all figured out. And it's like, no, get out there and practice and do it because that's where you learn. And that's where you get to learn even more about your, your gifts. They just come to the surface and they just start speaking to you in their own way. So I wanted to tell you that ghosts will show up at an age where they felt really good about themselves. I had that with parents that have passed, you know, and I'd be reading someone and the father would come in very handsome with a full head of hair. And, and even though he was like balding before he died and I'd be like, Oh, you know, he's showing himself at this age. Cause he felt really, really good at that age. And, and whoever I was reading would be like, yes, that's totally him. So there's so much, so many ways to explore this. Like when you do this work for yourself and I just want you to have fun with it. And, um, allow the spirits to speak to you the way they're going to speak to you. So I want to talk about psychic kids, because like I said, I've done a lot of work with psychic kids, and I'm going to tell you what made me stop doing the work with them. And it's something I may open up to down the line again, because I really did enjoy working with kids quite a bit. So when I was younger, I was the type of kid that just knew what people thought about me. I knew the teachers that didn't like me, even if they were acting all saccharine sweet in front of me. Um, I just had all these psychic gifts when I was a kid. And I'm sure many of you relate to this. I remember, um, I might even give her a name because she was such a bitch, but this one teacher who was just so mean to me, she was so mean to me. And I was like, you, I was like nine years old. I was like, you do not like me. And I, something, I did something in class. I dropped a box of rocks by total accident. It was a complete accident. I'm like nine years old. And she went off on me in front of everybody, like crazy off on me. And it was the one time that I went back to my mother and she never really wanted to make waves in the school because they were helping her with tuition. And um, she was just so grateful that the, the nuns were helping us because we didn't have the money to go there and she didn't want to pull me out of the school. And she was pissed because she knew this woman and she wasn't a nun and she was a lay teacher. My mother was a teacher in the neighborhood and we she used to live on our block or her parents lived on the block, this other teacher. And she went to the school and complained and the teacher apologized to me. And I just remember that moment so vividly because I knew as a kid who liked me and who didn't like me. And it's a very uncomfortable gift to have as a child because nobody's, you know, people aren't speaking the truth and you're like, nah, I know what you really think. I know what you really feel, but you really can't say it. And if you do say it, people think you're nuts, right? So I had that, I have that as a kid, I had that as a kid and I had a lot of psychic kids that came to me that also had that gift. And because of that, they felt different or they didn't feel liked or they felt they would get bullied or different experiences would have to happen to them. And I was able to relate to it really well because I understood that it was a psychic gift, that it wasn't their imagination. They weren't making it up and um, was able to then communicate with the kid and the kid felt seen and heard. And the parent understood too, and would be able to work with the kid in a different way, the child in a different way. So I'm going to go take you through a couple of stories and I'm going to share some really good tools and techniques that I would offer up to you when you're working with a kid who has these kinds of gifts. So first I'm going to start out with some of the stories. Um, so 
one parent came to me because a friend of mine was a, a medical doctor, a pediatrician, and the parent went to her and was talking to her about her son. Her son heard voices and saw things, and the son was like five years old. And my friend, who was this doctor, she just had a feeling that there wasn't anything wrong with the kid, that the kid may, kid may have been gifted. So she sent the parent to me which was really a great thing because what she had said to me later, the pediatrician, I don't want to reveal names because she really took a risk doing that because she said, you know, medical textbooks, if the kid is hearing voices, that's schizophrenia right away. And she said, I just had this feeling that that wasn't what what it was. So the mother came to me and um, I, I don't remember if I knew the whole story or not. I don't think I did as to how she came to me. Because normally I wouldn't allow them to tell me anything when I first read them. And I remember talking about her son and how he saw angels and how gifted he was. And the only vivid picture I have is like, I remember seeing him in um, a bath and like the water flow helped him to really open up to his gifts. And he was very, very gifted. And the parent, she was like, so the things that I said confirmed what her son was doing and also confirmed her intuition that she felt that was what was going on with him too. And I think she came to me for a couple, a couple of times and then she um, just worked with her child on her own. She wasn't somebody who continued on working with me. And then in adults, I've met a few adults that were very were psychic kids and because of their psychic abilities at the time period that their abilities came out, they were diagnosed with psychoses or certain psychoses and they had to spend, they spent some time in mental institutions or in, um, type of homes and stuff. So I wanted to, like, I'm going to go into more stories first of experiences I've had with kids and then share this with you because what I have found by working with kids, and this was something I just intuitively knew that there was a certain age that if the child did not get the help that the child needed by a certain age, the psychic gifts help, it could manifest into a psychological disorder. Now, I am not a doctor, so I have to do a disclaimer here because I am not a medical intuitive. I'm not a doctor. Whenever anybody would come to me with any type of medical concerns, if I did a reading around it, I always disclaimed it like, you have to go to a doctor or you have to go to a therapist. We used to recommend therapists too because I'm a big believer in therapy. I'm a big believer in coaches, um, different types of um places to go for help. I went to therapy for so many years. I'm back in therapy again. You know, I just think that it's extremely helpful. And when you're dealing with the sensitivities that we have at this level, and whether it's clairvoyancy, clairaudience, empathic ability, all of the above, it's sometimes very difficult to walk in this physical world, right? I've been thinking a lot. I'm going to go off a little bit on a tangent. So just forgive me for a second, but I've been thinking a lot about this lately because I've been talking to different friends who have kids and um, having struggles with their kids because I think it's it's difficult for a lot of kids who are extremely sensitive and then they're um, going through the experiences of COVID and the things that are happening right now in the world. And I just like am talking to these parents and they're doing their best and they're, they're such great parents and they're trying to get everything right. And I was like, oh my goodness, thank God I wasn't a parent because I just would not have been able to deal with it. I'm way too sensitive. Like I'm starting to recognize how sensitive of a person I am and how I automatically have positioned myself in my life to be able to handle my sensitivities. I don't believe, I don't pull myself out of my life. I never wanted to be one of those people, empaths that 
can't even be out in the physical world because um, it's too painful. Empaths have this incredible magical gift where they can really do such an incredible service in this world, but you have to learn how to live in it. So I'm one of those practical mediums that will teach you the spiritual side of how to um, work with your gifts, but also bring it into the physical. It's super important to me to bridge the two and be in the physical. But the older I get and the more that I can create the life that I desire, the more I notice how I have set it up so that I can do what I need to do and then take a break. So I don't go, I, for very early on, I didn't go into crowds. Um, when I worked at MTV, we were constantly at concerts, but there was a while that there was, it could only happen after it came to a point where I couldn't do it anymore. I couldn't be in crowds. I couldn't be, um, and big parties, like I can't be around really loud music. Uh, there's just certain sensitivities. And I just knew for myself before I even like, before I was even knew I was psychic, I was just like, I can't do that anymore. I'm taking care of me. And, and eventually when I learned what it was and, and how it affects me, I just have these boundaries in place where I know if I'm going to be in a crowd or if I'm going to like a party, I don't really go to crowds. So say I'm going to be at a dinner party. I know I have to shut down for quite a few hours afterwards because I have to um, just take a break on myself because I'm so sensitive, but I don't want to, not live my life. I don't want to not be on the tennis court or go to events or go to the movie theater. Or even I went to Disneyland once with my family and I felt like somebody plugged me into an outlet for the next 24 hours. I couldn't sleep or anything. I was like, whoa, this is insane. Like all that energy, people fighting about what rides to go on, whatever it was. It wasn't I just, I know that that happens in amusement parks. It was just living in my body and I was lit up like a Christmas tree. So I understand this stuff. And then when these kids would come and work with me, I was able to one, see where their gifts were and two, see how it was manifesting and three, be able to help the parent to um, work with them, ground the child, get the child to understand the gifts and to be able to manage them better, manage their sensitivities around other kids so that they could live the life they were meant to live. So one kid, he was the creepy psychic kid, I'll call him. He came to me with his mother and she was very nice. But what I found from some of these parents was they were more concerned with how they looked to other parents. So the kid was a little weird. The kid was a little wacky and they were more concerned with how it appeared for them. This one mother wasn't too bad. Um, another mother I'm going to tell you about in a minute. But she came to me and we did a reading and um, she really needed help with her kid because he was acting kind of strange. So I was like, okay, bring your kid in. And this kid, I got to tell you, he was a little creepy. He creeped me out even. And I was like, this kid's fucking creepy. And I had to, you can't have that kind of, I can't project that onto the reading. Like I'm not allowed and I don't allow that stuff. So there was different, it was interesting kind of reading because I was working with the kid and working with his gifts and he was gifted, but he was at the age, which I feel can happen around 12 or 13. If um, those gifts aren't paid attention to or developed, then the kid can go into a, I'm not a doctor, but a psychological unbalance. So really sensitive kids, if they don't understand that that's empathic ability, could be reading it as something else and then get into depression or sadness or other things. I want to be really careful about how I say this stuff. Um, a kid that's seeing things 
may end up having an overactive imagination if it's not like, if it's not understood what he's seeing and he's letting the, he's opened the door to let everything in. And then all of a sudden he's like really into the spooky stuff and the ghost stuff and everything that's on TV. They can go into an overactive imagination and some of it's not real. Some of it's real, not obviously people would argue to say it's none of it's real, but some of it is actually ghosts coming to see them. And some of it is their overactive imagination now. So there's a very fine line for me. And this one kid, when he came to me, I was like, Oh, this is like, not good. Not good. He was the kid like himself. There was just an imbalance at that point. And I, I worked with him a bit and I worked with the mother and I was very honest with the mother about what was coming through. And the kid definitely had gifts. And for whatever reason, she didn't continue on. And I believe, I know that whenever I worked with a kid, I always recommended therapy too, because I'm not a therapist. I'm not a trained therapist to be working with this kid, these kids. And this kid needed it. So she left and didn't come back after a few times. I think we worked together for a few times and, um, and then she just, did whatever she did. And that was okay for me because I, she was more involved in her child's life than this next person I'm going to tell you about, but I'm going to tell you about someone else. There was another woman who was a client of mine and she brought her daughter to me and her daughter was this phenomenal artist. She's been on my mind so much. I have one of her paintings and I actually have to contact the mother because, um, I just love her daughter. And I know I would have permission to say her name and everything because they are so grateful for the work that we did together. They, they acknowledge me. I acknowledge our work. And when this little girl came to me, she was seeing things that were not of higher energy. They were lower level energy and she was drawing them. And she was having difficulty with, you know, this feeling, this entity, this energy telling her to do things that were harmful. So I had to work with good and bad with her and how she had to take her free will back and be able to um, tell that energy to go away and tap more into the good energy. And she was super creative, this kid. And, and the mother was so involved, so involved. So we worked quite a bit together. And she, from the last I saw of her, was just doing phenomenal. Her artwork was just great. She was flourishing, accepting herself. I think that's one of the biggest things when I worked with kids is them learning how to accept themselves and recognize that this was an incredible gift, not a gift that was like a sentence, you know, of something bad. I worked with another teenager. I worked with a lot of kids, but I can't remember them all. But I worked with another teenager just as a, a friend for, uh, helping them and was able to move that teenager into the power position, you know, that this isn't something bad, but you don't want to get into the lower level energy of it. You want to get into the higher level energy of it. So one kid came to me and he was a little older. He was about 16. So the mother came in with him. He's about 15, 16. And it felt borderline to me. The kid definitely had gifts. He definitely could have gotten the help. And this mother was not interested in my opinion. Like she wanted the help, but she didn't want to take the responsibility. And I recognized in the reading that this was a, a case, a borderline case for me, that I couldn't do anything that she had to get this child professional help at this point, because he was at the point where it just wasn't good. 
it just didn't feel good to me. And he, and he was in pain too, the poor thing, right? He was a good kid. It wasn't like the creepy kid that I was like, oh my goodness, get him out of here. He's just a little too creepy for me. He was a creepy friggin' kid. But this person who was like 15, he was a good kid. And his mother was more worried about how she looked against the other parents. And so they left. And the day after that, um, the killings happened in Connecticut in um, Sandy Hook. And that was the day I decided I wouldn't work with kids anymore because if the parent wasn't willing to get the child the help that they needed, then I was no longer willing to see kids. It felt like too big a responsibility for me because I felt like you, you, most of you know the story. A lot of the kids that came to the first kids that came to me, the first spirits I ever saw were the kids who did um, the shootings in Columbine. And I was able to see deeply into those kids about having sensitivities, having psychic abilities, not being understood. And then this manifesting into this experience, the Columbine experience. I recently saw, I think there's a movie or a documentary about it. I haven't seen it. So I think there was more um, information about those kids and what they, what was going on with them. And I never saw it, but I had that experience back then when they showed up in my room. And then at this point, when Sandy Hook happened, I said, that's it, not working with kids anymore, because if the parent isn't going to take the responsibility to get the kid the help that they need and support, it's not even help, it's support. And you need to get into a therapist that is open to this type of work, not somebody who's going to diagnose it as schizophrenia, or maybe that is some of it. Sometimes it manifests, I think, into a psychosis like that. But, and again, I'm not a doctor, so you can I'm not even going to pretend to know that what I'm saying is what I feel to be true. But if I was sitting in front of somebody with credentials, I would love to have that conversation with them because I'd love to hear what they'd say about it, you know? So anyway, I decided not to do it anymore. And I shut that door. And many times since then, a lot of parents had asked me to please work with their kids or to do a group with kids. And I just wouldn't do it. I wasn't willing to do it. So what do you do if you have a child, whether they're two years old, four years old, 10 years old, and they're seeing spirits? So when I would work with parents, um, sometimes I could, a lot of times I could do this. So if I worked with a parent remotely, I could go into the kid's room and I could tell where there was like maybe a vortex energy and what they had to do to shut down the room and stuff like that. Because there could be that kind of, I remember one kid, I wasn't working with the kid. I was working with the parent on the phone and I went into his room in my visions. And there was a closet that was like, almost like um, a closet that, you know, I had a stairwell above it. And I was like, there is not good energy in that room. And I'd have to tell them what to do, you know, salt on the floor or something. But one of the biggest things you want to do, one, you don't want to feed the imagination, no matter how old the child is, you don't want to feed it. You don't want to be like, really, it's a ghost. What does it look like? What does it feel like? Oh my goodness. What are they wearing? Are they wearing yellow? Are they wearing orange? You don't want to do any of that. You want to be like, if the kid says, mama, there's something over there, you want to be like, oh, what is it? You want to act as neutral as possible. And you want to let the child tell you what they're experiencing. You want to empower the child no matter what age they are. So there's obviously different ages, but what the way that I would work with it with a parent is I'd be like, okay, does your child, let me make sure this is recording. Yes. Does your child have an icon? You know, if they weren't spiritual and they weren't religious, I had to work with something else. So if they didn't have angels in their repertoire or saints, 
um, things that I would normally use in order to start feeling empowered before I was able to feel empowered myself on my own. I used a lot of those things. I would say, what does makes this kid feel really good? You know, because I don't understand kids or what they have these days, but I'd be like, is it Spider-Man? You know, is it Wonder Woman? What is it? And they would say, oh, he loves this stuffed animal thing or this figurine. And he feels really good when he has it. And that's the security. And I was like, okay, the power that's on that thing, you want him to project more power on it and to know that when he's with that particular item, he feels safe. But it's not like the item itself has the power. It's a reflection of his power inside of him. So it was just a way to give them like a talisman or a ritual, the kid to have something that made them feel powerful and strong because what they were missing in that moment was their own self power, being able to free will tell the thing to leave, even, you know, or being able to tell it to go away. They felt too scared by it. So we would start with that. So the first thing you want to do is you don't want to feed the imagination. You want the child to be able to tell you what they're seeing, feeling. Then you want to empower the child that if they don't want that thing entering, that thing is not allowed to enter. Now, there's many other things you can do with um, yourself. Like I would have parents work with the kid's room and closing down the room and using ascended masters or archangels to have the room cleared out. And it's been my experience that when you do that with a physical location, it takes like three weeks. So you have to do it almost every night. You may have to do it several times a day for like three weeks. And then to me, that protection is there and it's easier to shut down the room or it's it's quicker. It happens just faster. So that's another thing that you can do with kids. The main thing that I want to say about this is you want the child, however old the child is, to feel empowered. You don't want to feed the fear because the fear feeds upon itself. So when, when people, adults are even coming to me and they're like, you know, I'm really afraid and, um, I want the ghost to leave. And I'm like, yeah, but you're still curious about it. And if you have a curiosity about the ghost, the ghost isn't going to leave. You could tell the ghost, get the F out. But if you're like, wow, that was really kind of cool. Then that is an energy that keeps the ghost in. So with kids, you again, you want to know what they see, what they feel, and then you want to talk to them about power, their own power. Could be a color, could be anything. And then you want to give them a little ritual. Could be a song, it could be the talisman, it could be the idol that they like. And you could say, you know, whenever you hold this, you're going to, you're safe. And you can tell whatever it is that's making you scared to go away. And it works. It, you know, my mother before, you know, we fully understood what was going on with me. She was giving me um, religious things. I always forget scapulars when I was little and I'd sleep with them under my bed and they empowered me. They made me feel safer. They made me feel like I was okay. So that or so, that's what you can do with psychic kids. So some of the things, the most important thing, another thing I'd like to bring up with this real quick is if you have a child that is coming home and is feeling that, you know, other people don't like them or the teachers don't like them. This is where I feel like it could be a blurred line. There may be a lot of truth in what they feel, but if they don't have an outlet to express it in a safe atmosphere, 
it could become a paranoia or um, an unco- a thing inside of them where they start telling themselves stories. Nobody likes me. Why doesn't anybody like me? This person doesn't like me. That person doesn't like me. So what you want to do in that kind of a case is acknowledge their experience of what they're having. So say they come home and they say, you know, Mrs. Fredericks doesn't like me and they're five years old. And you might be like, okay, why do you feel Mrs. Fredericks doesn't like you? Well, I, you know, kids may be like, I don't know. I just don't, I just feel that way. I could feel like she doesn't smile at me as much and she doesn't do this as much and do that as much. And you don't necessarily want to make that wrong in the child. You want to be like, okay, well, did did you, you know, is there something going on in school that Mrs. Fredericks doesn't like you? Are you speaking out? You want to make sure that none of that's happening. And if it's just a full on feeling that the kid has that someone doesn't like them and they're not acting out in a way where the teacher has to, you know, present yourself in a certain way, then you just want to be able to listen to this and be like, you know what, that's not about you completely. And it's hard, like, how do you explain it to a five-year-old? You're going to have to adapt this conversation to the ages, right? So when I was dealing with a teenager with this, I had to empower the teenager to understand that just because somebody is presenting themselves in that way towards her, and maybe it's a past life thing, maybe it's a karmic thing, whatever you want to call it, that it doesn't have to do with them. And that it's, they can let themselves separate. They need to separate. Let that person be who they are. Don't take it personally. And just know that you may know a truth that they're not necessarily revealing verbally that you're seeing under the surface, but it doesn't mean it has anything to do with you. I think I've shared this tool before. It's one of my most favorite tools. I'm sure I shared it because I talk about the tennis court a lot. One of my favorite, favorite tools is to put Jesus between me and the person. So there, there, the time I noticed that this worked really well, I used it in different scenarios, but I was on the tennis court and there was this one girl, I'm not going to say her name. I literally wanted to leap over the net and beat the crap out of her. I was so Brooklyn in that moment. I was like, I just reverted back to my teenage years. And I was like, can't do that. I don't do that anymore. And uh, so I said, Jesus, you got to stand between us. You got to heal the triggers between the two of us. It's not for me to tell Jesus what to do. He's a master healer. And then all of a sudden I did that. I said, okay, Jesus, just stand between us. Just heal the triggers between the two of us because I just, I can't do this. And all of a sudden, like, I don't know, maybe a minute later, two minutes later, all my feelings towards her were gone. They dissolved. They went away. And it was great. It was really, really great. So that's another thing I like to use when I feel like I'm getting triggered by someone and it's not something I can call out. It's not a behavior I can call out because maybe it's not being fully revealed, but I know that there's something going on underneath the surface. So that is a great tool if you want to use that one. So that is pretty much what I want to say about psychic kids. Um, Another thing you could give them is say they have a a grandparent or uh, somebody in spirit. You can always offer that up to them in a really positive light. Like grandma, Sally's with you. I don't know why I always pull Sally out. Uh, she's keeping you safe. Put her by your bed at night. When I was younger, I put an angel by my bed. I just knew to do that. And, um, 
I could feel her presence by my bed every single night to help me to sleep so that nothing could come in. You can um, use color. You can you can have the child even color something that's a very powerful color for them that makes them feel safe, makes them feel good. You always want to get into the good feelings, right? Because the fear, you don't want it feeding on anything. So if we all have colors that make us feel good and colors are the language of the soul. So say the child likes orange and yellow, have them color something orange and yellow and then have them look at the orange and yellow paper at night and project that color around them. Now they have a bubble of safety. You don't want the kid to think that he can be harmed. That's not what you're doing. What you're doing is always stroking the empowerment, the positive energy. So it's not like you need this because if you don't have this, something bad's going to happen. I mean, I was, I'm Italian, right? So we were raised with so many superstitions, right? We wore the Italian horns when we were younger to keep the bad energy away or the, um, got what the fingers was called. Um, but the, you know, the pinky and the index finger up. So we would, I remember having that as a kid wearing it around my neck and you You don't want to get into that fear of, oh my goodness, don't do this. Don't step on a crack. Don't break a mirror. Like we don't want to feed that energy. You want to feed the energy of, hey, you're just strong. You're just powerful. And we're just going to make you feel safer and stronger and stuff. So you could do things with color. Um, You could do things with flowers if they like flowers. If a kid isn't grounded, I once, one of these kids came to me, she was around 17 and she was hanging out in so many dimensions and so fragmented and so sweet and so gifted. And I gave her a reading and then I met the mother later on because I wouldn't work with kids if they were under a certain age. And um, I was like, she needs to ground because that she couldn't follow school. She was in so many different dimensions. It was like, it was the first time ever because I was very new to reading and she walked in and I felt like this bunch of mirrors behind her. And I was like, oh my goodness, you are in so many dimensions. So I would tell parents, you know, have a plant by their um, desk, let them touch the dirt, let them touch the tree, like the, the, the branches that grounds them, put their feet in grass. Um, you can have the kids sing a, a song that makes them feel really, really safe before they go to bed at night. I was a big prayer, so I still pray. You can have them do prayers. You can have them say mantras. Basically, what you're doing is giving them some type of ritualistic behavior, some type of ritualistic thing to do that makes them feel super powerful. I hate to use the word safe because that that says that there's something unsafe, right? So something makes them feel powerful or strong or just gets them into a love vibration versus a fear vibration. So those are my tips and tools that I would like to offer up to you. So now we're going to do a really, really fun thing. I play these games in Membership for Your Soul all the time, and I want to play them with all with you guys. So I'm going to do a reading for all of you, and um, I'm going to have you pick something. I'm going to give you three things, and you're going to pick one. Then I'm going to read the reading, and then we'll make sure that they're in the show notes as well. And then I'm going to have you come back next week. And I'm going to, but I'm going to have you pick that thing today. So you'll see how it goes. So the first thing I want you to do is think of a question that you have. And remember, I really like you to stay away from yes or no questions. I want them to be soul evolution questions. So if um, you're thinking about writing a book, 
and you're like, the question that plagues you is, we, we've been seeing this in the SaaS experience because we've been going live in there and coaching and, you know, so many people stop their dream before it even happens because they're like, is this going to be successful or is it too late for me? Or um, everybody else has a book out there about this topic. Why is my book going to be great? You know, is my book going to be great? And that's why you could see where a yes or no question could just stop the dream before you go forward. If you're going to say, is my book going to be successful? Well, just write the friggin' book and let's see what happens. One one person in there, it was great, and he wrote a couple of pages. Um, he was a little afraid to write the book because of I'm not gonna get into the story because I don't have his permission yet, but you know, there was somebody that he was afraid that would not receive it well. And I was like, let's not do that. Maybe you need to just write it right now because you may find that you edit a piece of it or you may come through some type of healing through writing it, that you bring a conversation up to this person and you two have this incredible healing together. And all of a sudden, this book has just catapulted you into a whole other level of your life. And I noticed that he said on my Facebook page um, that he wrote a couple of pages and it was phenomenal and he had written for two months. So people stop the dream before it happens with those yes or no questions. I think yes or no questions are okay at times, but for now I'm asking you not to do that. So if it's instead of, is my book going to be successful? I always like giving chances say, you know, what do I need to know in order to write this book? Um, what do I need to know about myself? What do I need to open up to? I love the, the what question because it just opens up so many doors inside of you and there's a whole evolution that takes place. So think of a, qu a question that you have right now. Okay. And I want you, now you're, this is the thing I want to teach you about intuition. Um, I want you to trust the first thing that comes to you. You may get two answers. When I say these three things, I want you to pick one right away. And I want you to hear the three first and then pick whichever one like jumps out. You can even close your eyes. And when I say them, see if one of them is more highlighted than the others. So you could use clairvoyance for this. So I'm going to say three things, right? And you can close your eyes as I'm saying them and see if one's more highlighted. See if, um, if you're just getting, your energy is getting drawn. When I teach people how to talk to their guides, I talk about the inner vision, vision the inner system, the inner, uh, it's almost like an inner umbilical cord. And I have them put their guide somewhere and I have them take their inner vision towards that guide. So you could see these three words. You could see these three symbols. You're going to see what it is. They're animals. So I'm going to give you animal names. You can see the animal. Just go with wherever spirit is taking you. Maybe you hear it differently. So pick like clairvoyancy or clairaudience and whichever one you want to work with. And you can close your eyes and you could visualize it, or you can close your eyes and bring your attention to what I say and how I say it and pick one. Don't do that hemming and hawing thing. Cause if you do that in this, you do that in life and don't do the hemming and hawing thing. Like, well, I really want it, blah, blah, blah. But they're saying da, 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 go with the da, da, da. Just trust it. Okay. It's not the end all be all of everything. And when I give the summaries of what each thing means, you'll see how it's always a process to something else. I was recently posting on my personal page. I don't use my personal page a lot for business, but I was posting about my podcast and um, I want to get the downloads up. You know, it was at like 9,300 and I wanted to get it to 10K, which it is now at the time of this recording, which is so exciting to me. And um, somebody said to me, you know, I love the readings because they, it answers the question every single time. It's like crazy to me how that could happen. And I was like, because it's magic. It's magic. Okay. So thank you. Question. Close your eyes. Decide if you're going to 
do it visually or hear it, whichever one is going to jump out at you. And the three animals, you're going to just pick one animal, just pick one, and it's going to be the answer to your question. And you'll see how it works. I'm going to read, each one has a reading, a personal reading for me. So you're thinking of your question. I'm going to say the three animals. You're going to pick one of those animals, and then you'll listen to my readings. Horse, cat, wolf. Horse, cat, wolf. Pick one. Pick one. It's that simple. Okay, you picked horse. Here's my reading for you. Get ready to feel the power of your dreams. The freedom you've been asking is yours for the taking. Where do you feel free? Where do you feel stuck? Horses reminding you, you can go anywhere you choose. You just have to choose. Horses telling you that your idea and ideas can travel across countries. Your gifts are meant for the world. You're not meant to stay stuck. You may notice some relationships ending, but don't worry, new ones will be coming into your life. What kind of people would you like to be around? Imagine yourself sitting at a feast and you're surrounded by light-minded people who celebrate and love you. Know that this is the type of experience you deserve each and every day of your life. See yourself taking your dreams, your gifts, jumping on your horse, and bringing your magic to distant lands all around the world. The power is in your speech. And then if you got cat... Light up the mystery inside of you. Believe in magic. Everything you see, ask yourself, what is the magic behind this thing I am seeing? Even if it's your washing washing machine, find the magic in it. So the idea is that everything you see, I want you to see it differently. And the magic is behind it. For example, washing machines, clean up your mind. Clean out the cobwebs that are covering up your dreams. Let the cat's mystery and magic speak to you wherever you go. And pay attention to the number nine. It's a soul number. You're on a soul's journey. You're being asked to step boldly out on the road of your life and know that you deserve to be on it. It's not too late. It's time. Spirit is calling you forward. In the distance, you can see the cat's tail going around the corner, luring you to your destiny. What is stopping you? ask yourself. The answer is nothing. All you have to do is decide and you're on your way. Pick a theme song, play it and go. Triumph is yours. The power is your magic. And then wolf. Start meditating with the moon. During the new moon, go outside and tell it what you want to manifest during its cycle. Make a wish on the moon and trust you're going to receive the answer. Then play close attention to any symbol that comes your way that may have some moon magic. Are you seeing a moon somewhere? Does someone mention the moon? Does it appear as a logo? What is spirit trying to tell you when you see it? So in other words, now that you picked wolf, you may start seeing moon someplace. Pay attention to it. And when you see it, what were you thinking about when you saw it or heard it? Get into the language of the moon. The moon is igniting light on the darkness of your soul. The part of you where you may have shut down because you thought it was too late or you weren't ready. The moon illuminates the gifts inside of you and asks you to bring it alive. 
close your eyes and feel those gifts come to life. They are so powerful, they start leading the way. You have no choice but to follow. The power is in your intuition. Follow it. So next week, I am going to ask you to pick a flower. So I'm going to give you the flowers this week, though, because you're going to play with this and pick it. So I want to tell you a couple of things. So now that you have this meaning of what this reading is, these are readings that are given to me. But I do want to share a book with you that I do like. So early on in my journey, I got the book Animals Speak by Ted Andrews. Animals Speak by Ted Andrews. And I do like his interpretations of um, animals. And recently I kept getting bear everywhere I went. Bear, 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 bear. And you know, I teach the symbolic language of my soul, but I didn't really have something inside my own repertoire for bear. And uh, so I went to Animal Speak and I was reading about bear and it was perfect for me. So thank you, Ted Andrews, who's in spirit now for writing those books. So I did want to acknowledge him and um, you may want to check those books out. I'm I have no affiliate link to it or anything like that. So just go have fun. If you want it, go get it. And I wanted to share that with you. So this is why I wanted to give you this reading. And this these readings will be in the show notes so you can read them again. Now, as you go and you do what, whichever one you picked, whether it was horse, cat, or wolf, um, just be with that reading. And as you're with that reading, you'll come up with another question. This is the dot, dot, dot technique that I teach in my programs. It's never putting a period at the end of anything. It's always evolving into the next question. And then I want you to pick either this whole week, daisy, tulip, or rose. I'm going to drive you nuts. You're going to be like, maybe it's a daisy. Maybe it's a tulip. Maybe it's a rose. Now, what's funny about this, and I'll say those flowers again and how this is going to work. I forget what I write because I channel as I write the answers. When I do these readings, I do them. Um, I have a book called Games That Grow Your Soul. It's on my website. But I used to play these games all the time, and I play them um, periodically in Membership for Your Soul. And um, these answers just come to me. They just get channeled to me. So I didn't remember what I wrote. And I asked the question about the Sal podcast because I've decided to do it as a separate podcast. I am working with a writing coach who actually is phenomenal. I just started with him and he's so interested in the story and so invested in the story that it's really exciting for me. And it's taken me many, many years, as you know, to start bringing the story out. And um, so I asked, you know, I forget my question, but it might have been like, what do I need to know about doing this podcast about Sal? And I got the wolf. So when I was reading the wolf to you, I was reading it to myself too. And I was like, oh my goodness, because it says the moon is igniting light on the darkness of your soul. The part of you where you may have shut down because you thought it was too late or you weren't ready. And I've had been sitting on this story for over 10 years. And that was what was happening to me. I'm like, now is it too late to tell this story? Or I wasn't ready to tell it. Now I'm finally ready. The moon illuminates, illuminates the gifts inside of you and asks you to bring it alive. Close your eyes and feel those gifts come to life. They're so powerful. They start leading the way. You have no choice but to follow. The power is in your intuition. Follow it. So when I read that, I went, oh my goodness, it's answering my own question. And it's unbelievable how this happens. Because now as I read that again... I had different writing coaches that were handed to me, uh, names and stuff and different people. And I even took a writing class not so long ago. And I, my friend gave me, uh, my friend Allie gave me a couple of names and my friend Dana gave me a couple of names. And this one name, this guy, Bruce, he just stood out to me. 
And I have been, I, I've gone to memoir classes about this and everything, and I've written stuff. And the teachers have always been really fascinated by the story wherever I go. But I've never like hung onto like one person. And then with Bruce, we had our first session last week and he did all this research and he was so fascinated. And he was like asking me questions because nobody really understood the whole podcast, how it's about my life too, and believing in myself as a medium. And that's what Sal brought me to and how I couldn't even talk about it without crying. And he started picking things out of my own life because there's Italian influences in it and all this stuff I'm not going to get into right now. So intuitively, it says the power is in your intuition. He was the right person. And I knew it after I got all these names from trusted sources and even contacted one of my old writing teachers. So this work is so magical. So trust whether you pick Daisy, Tulip, or Rose, it's going to be the right one for you. Now, here's the thing that you can do. You can play a game. Uh, Take three pieces of paper, same size. You want to make sure they're the same size. You can write daisy on one piece of paper, tulip on another, rose on another, fold them up, throw them in a basket. And then by next week's podcast, you can pull one out and see which one you get and leave it to chance. But is it really chance? I don't think so. All right, guys, that's it for this week's episode. Um, remember, we're doing the SAS experience. So come join us if you'd like to at joinsass.com. No matter when you're listening to this, you can go to that page and check it out. It's really an incredible experience when we do them live. And uh, thank you so much. Please do rate, share, and share on social media would be really great. I would love to get more people sharing, learning this stuff so they could do readings for themselves. Um, I don't, I don't have permission to share this story. I want to. I will wait, but just, I don't want you being dependent on other people. Okay. I will share it. One of my members waited a really long time to get in for a reading and just kept getting canceled and not with me, with somebody else. Um, and I just don't want you to have to go through that experience for yourself. I want you to learn how to read for yourself. So who can it be now? I don't know. Let's open the door and see. I'll see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>